back to Yes X or No Audio. Hello, curmudgeonly fellowship. It is just about to tick over midnight into Thursday, November the 23rd, 2023, here on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia. Uh, but that doesn't really matter because this is not about recent events. This is a ramble. You be warned now. Quick, turn it off. So. I got thinking about the comment that Professor Daniela Ganza made at the end of his discussion with James Corbett, which Corbett excised and put at the beginning of the interview. And that was that Professor Ganza is not terribly happy about the fact that what's happening is the rise of the new power bloc against the US-NATO one, and that, of course, is Russia-China BRICS SEO, which I've been talking about for two years, basically. And I expressed where I'm coming from in a comment uh, to that video, excellent video by James Corbett, and I highly recommend that you watch it and listen to uh, Mr. Gantai, because I like him a lot. So the, the point that I'm trying to make is as follows. First of all, yes, it'd be nice if the world didn't have empires in it. That's a good, that's a good thing. We'd like that more. But that's not going to happen in the short term. So we're going to sort of deal with what things are. Second of all, one might have political views whereby you know, a far better situation would be something more libertarian slash voluntarist. Okay, I agree with you. Um, you know, minimal government or you know, no government, even better. But that's not what we've got right now. Right? We're in a paradigm of... of nation states and power blocks of nation states and that's how the world is for the minute so I'm sort of a little bit on the Mearsheimer line of things and go with realpolitik like that's what we got how can we improve on that and I think that it's up to all of us in a sense Uh, I'll propose what I think is a likely cause a sequence of future actions and then I look forward to being proved correct and hopefully I will be not proved wrong, and we'll see. But here's how it goes. I think the right time to do an assessment uh, is the time from now plus the time of the emergence of the US hegemon. So we're at now what I consider the, the position where the power of the US and its NATO allies is now countered by... Uh, Russia, China, and their uh, multilateral bloc, right? As as I represented by BRICS SEO. So let's just call it the, I don't know, let's just call it the BRICS for the hell of it. We just needed one name, right? Let's call it BRICS Plus, right? BRICS Plus is now countering US slash NATO in that I believe that they are actually more powerful. They have more political power and they also have more financial power. They don't, they're missing some of the institutions, the established institutions, but they're working on, on, on shifting those, particularly the UN, and they're building their uh, financial infrastructure in terms of the alternative to SWIFT is basically up and running. They've got the New Development Bank as accounted to the uh, IMF and World Bank, and same with the AAIB for funding the BRI project and so forth. Anyway, you know about this if you've been around here for a while. Right, the question is, what about what Ganser says. He's not very comfortable with this change, right? And my point is, well, it depends on how you assess that. So my proposed assessment, and I hope people are welcome to come up with others, but here's one. It's about the amount of money and effort 
that gets expended by the global population in weapons manufacturing and killing people. Now, if we can, if, if it happens that over the period of time, forward in time from now, which is equal to the position of the rise of the unipolar hegemon, if we assess those two periods of time and we go, how much money and, you know, how many wars and how many people died and were, you know, wounded and relocated and dispossessed and all that shit fuckery, we compare the two, then we can say, all right, then, then we've got an assessment to make, right? And we don't give a shit about things like, you know, human rights and whatever, because that's bullshit, as we know, from, you know, Carl and whatever. I mean, it would be nice if, if these sorts of freedoms were upheld more than they are. But in the nation-state paradigm, that falls within the nation-state. So each nation-state does what they do, and other nation-states can pressure them to do things better and so forth, and the nation-state might respond and say, well, we've got a bit of a challenge here because there's a bunch of, you know, insurrectionists happening in Xinjiang, and they're being funded by the CIA and MI6, and... You know, they're causing us an awful lot of trouble and da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, says China re- regarding the um, militarist uh, extremist Muslims in their, you know, most uh, western province, which just happens to co- coincide with where all of the, you know, railroad tracks are going to go to connect up the BRI, right? Oh, really? That's where it's happening? Yeah, oh, I wonder how that happened. And then all the, you know, bullshit that we've seen about, you know, there's genocide going on there, which is all beat-up craps coming from some really right-wing ex- German extremist Christian who knows diddly squat about the whole thing and it's all been disproved, but I'm wandering on. The idea is that essentially, how long has it been that the US hegemon has had this power until it's just been counted? Okay, so we're at the end of 2023, roughly. So when did this happen? Well, collapse of the, sorry, the dissolution of the USSR. So when was that? Uh, beginning of 1990, right? Okay, so let's just go decades. We've got 1990, then we've got the noughts, then we've got the teens, then we've got the 20s. So that's 40 years plus three. Just 43, and then you have to conclude the zero. So 44 years, roughly, right? So 44 years from now is the time to make the assessment. I'm not going to be around then. So it's a bit of work for someone to do then. But what we could do is... Every 10 years from now, go, all right, let's look at the 10 years previous to that. So in 2033, we can go, all right, let's, what's happened in terms of um, global conflict that was initiated by the members of the BRICS Plus bloc versus that which was initiated by the US slash NATO bloc in the next 10 years? And we can say, all right, how are things going? You know, who's doing more violence and bullshit, Right. Uh, or we could look at it the other way in terms of resolutions to conflict. How much of that comes from the US slash NATO bloc? How much of that comes from the BRICS plus bloc? Right? We could, so we could look at causes and then we can look at resolutions and so forth. And then we can also do things like, oh, let's just look at all of the global conflict that happens. It doesn't matter who causes it in 10 years from now. And then look at what all of the, the, the global conflict that happens in the 10 years previous and just compare. Like, how's it going? So I think... You know, I'm all fine with Ganser expressing his opinion and so forth. I've got maybe some rose-tinted glasses in looking at this. My suspicion is that China wants trade. That's how they're going to dominate the globe. They're going to dominate the globe by trade. And I don't think they want to go and set up an empire. That's not what they're trying to do because they've looked at the history of this shit and they've seen that empires are dangerous. They, they tend to consume themselves. They die because of this. Right? It's a, the it's a sort of nature of the beast. And I don't think that's where they want to go. 
I think Russia would like to expand a little bit, whatever. What it really wants more than anything else is it wants very stable borders. And it's got now, it's got no problem whatsoever with any of its borders in the east, apart from stuff with, with there's that thing with, um, the, what are they called, Chokin Islands, which is Japan. So that's an old thing that's for a while. And then and there's various stuff with China over time, but they've sort of worked all that out. So that, that's not a problem anymore. And then there's Mongolia sitting in the middle and everybody's, no trouble happening there. So that's the vast majority of that sort of art. Then there's all the stuff in, in Central Asia, which is all really what they've been working on for well over a decade now in terms of setting up the BRI project. They had to get that shit under control, which is why Kazakhstan is so important and same with the other small stands there. And that's why that they jumped into trying to stabilise shit in Afghanistan after the US pulled out. Stabilise is the key word. They don't particularly like the Taliban. They just want stable government so that they can do business. This is the idea. They want to set up this um, trade network and that should give benefits to Afghanistan and all the other stands and so forth. And what that will be is their natural resources get shipped to China so that China can, you know, turn them into tertiary products and make a lot of money, just like all the old empires always did. There's nothing new. It's the same shit under the sun, right? But then over time, they'll be able to invest in infrastructure and then they'll start producing secondary products and da-da-da-da-da and on it goes. And this is the development paradigm. We all know about this crap, right? That's what's going to happen, in my view, right? So the question is, where are all the conflicts going to happen? That's an interesting question in itself. We can talk about that in a bit. But my project, my prediction is that this is what's going to happen. Russia wants to stabilise its periphery. China's all pretty much done that, apart from the common area, which are the central stands. And they're trying to make sure that that is well controlled. And that is what the SCO and the CSTO are about as security organisations. Right? So once they get that shit sorted out, there's not much that the West can do to upset shit. So where are they going to go? It's obvious where one of the places to go is, and that is Kashmir. That's, you, I mean, we've got the shit going down in Israel right now, but that was just a time bomb waiting to happen. I'm, I'm surprised that I didn't see it. I'm a bit annoyed, actually. But there you go. Who would have known that Hamas had come out with this boo-boo and whatever. But one of the next ones to come will be Kashmir, because that is a way for the US to destabilise BRICS. Right? It's a problem between, well, do destabilise the SEO because Pakistan and India are both members of the SEO. So they will hot up Kashmir. And there are age-old issues, border issues, between India and China over the, the Himalayas. So these are other areas that will also be heated up by the CIA, MI6, etc., 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 right? It's obvious where that's going to go. Meanwhile, there's the battle the battle territories of um, Latin America and Africa, right? This is obviously where that's going to go. But we've seen some of what's happening in Africa. They're sick of the damn French. They want them out of there. And that creates a power vacuum. How's that going to be stabilised? So we've seen that, um, obviously, Brigosian's little blah-blah thing, they were down there doing stuff. And no doubt, Russia will create other mechanisms to insert themselves as a balancing security infrastructure there against the US stuff, because they've been in their building bases left, right and centre. You want to know about that? Check out Nick Terse. He's been reporting on this for well over a decade. He knows the crap. So that's going to happen. What's China doing in terms of external bases? Well, it's got one of them, right? It's in the Horn, the Horn of Africa in Djibouti, right? That's it. And that's there to stabilise trade through the Red Sea and also to create as a, as a position to do some influence in terms of rail networks 
into Africa. That's what they're doing. They're investing in rail networks and shit like this. This is an extension of the BRI project. That is what China is doing. BRI, that's their thing. Russia is doing the security stuff. It's interesting watching them play together. They're very, they're doing this very cleverly, strategically. They're taking different roles. China's got the money. It's got the manufacturing capacity. And it's also got a very... Um, they've both got very effective bureaucracies. Interesting watching how they're playing. Anyway, there's my prediction, right? We do assessments after five years, after 10 years. We just compare from this point, you know, the change of year, 2023 to 2024. That's the deadline. Go forwards and back five years. Do the, do the calculations of number of conflicts that were begun, number of conflicts were ended, who, who began them, who ended them, da 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 And then we can do some comparisons and see what happens. Because my belief is that, as I say it again, I think Russia and China are not looking for conflict. They're looking for the multipolar world. And that is, conflict does not make that. This is conflict. It's the empire of chaos and the empire of lies. And what's going to happen, this is my prediction, is that we're going to see less of that. That doesn't mean that the system that gets built through this is going to be good for you or good for anyone else for that matter. That's a different question. And I'm not trying to answer that question. I'm looking at conflict, the amount of money that gets spent on weapons and so forth, and the amount of people that get killed, displaced, etc. Right? So I think that's one very small, simple, but useful metric to do an analysis, a comparison. So I'm going to have my eyes on that, and I suggest that other people who are interested in these sorts of topics, there's a metric. Let's come up with some more and keep our eyes on what's happening geopolitically and see if these new kids on the block actually match their rhetoric with their policies and actions. And there we have it. As an addendum to this piece, I have just put a little thought into how we, that being uh, myself and you, the community, could set up a way of exchanging, having conversations with one another. Because I have a bunch of questions I'd like to ask you, and perhaps you have some questions you'd like to ask me. So I've thought about how we can use articles and comment sections within articles and like buttons as a way of uh, having a conversational exchange and also voting on things, because that's a useful thing to be able to do. Uh, So I'm going to put forward a suggestion of how this can be done in the very near future, and the initial topic which introduces the mechanics for how we do this and proposes the first question to be voted on. And the first question will be, what name do you want? I would like that the community who want to be involved in this potential discussion system that I intend to build, I'd like to have a, a name for you all. And I'm not part of you, that's you. So I'd like you to come up with a name. I'm going to make some suggestions, but I think it would be better if you came up with some and then we use the voting mechanism that is, you use the voting mechanism to choose a name for yourselves. And then that would be nice to have a name, yes? So there's an idea. That'll be coming out soon. Hope you're all well. Have a good one. Week in Review's coming out end of the week. Normal process continues. Have fun. Until next time. <laughs>